This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Pat Owen Fan Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as an angler by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milford. Bass Fishing for Noobs on Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm Ryan, as always, and today we got the one and only Susie Roloff. Hi, Susie. What's going on? <laughs> Welcome to Bass Fishing for Noobs. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I think I think you might be the last one of the group to to be on my segment. Oh yeah? Yeah. I nice. think so. I'm gonna have to start going back through uh, everybody after after I'm through with you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, I think I still have to get through almost everybody except for Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. he's, he's been on there a few times. Yeah, he has. Yep. <laughs> uh, so how you doing tonight? I'm not too bad. Uh, getting some uh, awesome weather tonight, that's for sure. Um, yeah, we uh, getting some snow dumped on us right now. I think we've probably got maybe at least three or four inches so far, but it's been kind of like a wet kind of slushy snow. But tonight it's supposed to get pretty cold. Um, I think it's going to get down to like 17. And then tomorrow, I don't think it's going to be any warmer. And tomorrow night, I think the low is like negative 10 or something like that. So I'm just like, oh. <laughs> we're, we're just getting a bunch of nasty rain. Right. I'd prefer rain, you know. I mean. At least you can play in snow. Yeah. I, mean, I, I guess I can go mudding, but I don't have four. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but uh, yeah. And then um, I'm almost over my sickness i had about a week and a half ago but uh poor adam he stayed home today because he's got it now <laughs> so passed it on to him <laughs> i did yeah <laughs> poor thing but 
yeah, so he'll probably be done with that, be done with that uh, for the next day or two. Um, so, yeah, it's just that time of year and everything. But, uh, yeah, today I came home. I had, like, three boxes waiting for me. And Adam's like, you got more stuff. And he's like, it's always fishing stuff. I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'd actually made a uh, pretty big order on Tackle Warehouse. Um, I was uh, in the process of replacing hooks and upgrading um, hardware and, you know, replacing some uh, baits and stuff uh, that I had kind of used and whatnot. So kind of my winter routine that I do. You know, that's, that's something that I need to do because I don't know if I've ever replaced any hooks on anything. And usually, you know, I don't use a whole lot of crankbaits and stuff like that, but as everybody knows, you know, last year I was got really big into the Whopper Plopper and, you know, it's got <laughs> treble hooks and stuff. So that, I probably need to change those out this year, especially as much as I used them last year. Yeah. You know, I was never really big into changing hooks myself either until probably the last two, two and a half years. Um, more especially this past year, um, especially when it came to jerk baits. Um, and last year was like kind of my first year throwing jerk baits too. So it kind of coincided with, uh, with itself, but, uh, some of the stock hooks on certain ones, like they just, after three or four fish, uh, they would start breaking. So like I'd have one of the, uh, the barbs break off on one end. I'd be like, I think I'll be all right, you know, and then boom, the other one would break off and I just have like one barb and I'd be like, okay, now I can see why everybody says to replace the hooks out. <laughs> so, so yeah. that, that's why I guess I've never replaced hooks because I've never caught three or four fish on a single <laughs> lure. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the other part of it is too, is, um, I had a couple boxes that I hadn't touched in a while and I was looking through it and, you know, moisture can get into anything. And, you know, before I knew it, I had like, you know, 15, 20 lures that had rusted out hooks. So I was just like, all right, I got to replace these. <laughs> that That's my main issue there is, is rust. Cause See, something I do, I've got a little magnetic tray that mm -hmm. I keep on my kayak. Oh, yeah. And, and whenever I change the lure out and it's still wet, I put it in that tray that way it sit there and dry before I put it back in my box. And a lot of the time what's, what ends up happening is when I'm getting out of the water and I load up my kayak and everything, I just pick up that tray and I stick it in the little side tray inside my toolbox. Mm -hmm. And then I forget all about them. <laughs> and then, you know, two or three weeks later, I open up my toolbox and I see them down there. I'm like, yeah, these probably need to be put up now. They're probably about, about dry, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had kind of a similar thing happen to me last year, too. I was out at Banner and I have just like a little uh, Plano box that I use for um, uh, my terminal tackle. Actually... I've got like all my stuff behind me here too. Um, but it was actually just one of these kind of little Plano box things that I got. I would just kind of keep my basics in there. So like just some hooks, um, weights and whatnot, trying to keep it simple. And uh, it was open and it was uh, down where my feet are. And I had a fish flop down and everything and didn't really think much of it. And uh, I got home Sometimes when I get home, I'll just like throw stuff in the garage and not even think about it, you know. Well, a week went by. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, I go, you know, to look at my stuff. And it was when I was out on the water, too. Like, I opened up the box. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, needless to say, I'm like, all right, I need to be better at this and, um, you know, plan a little bit better for outings and stuff like that. So, yep. Yeah. And speaking of things getting wet, tonight i've had a very interesting day this is kind of off subject and everything but i really wanted to tell this story because it's turned out kind of cool all right so my day i had jury duty today oh (laughs) so i go there i don't get picked to be on the jury so i get out of there at like 10 30 you know i i call work they say i don't have to come in because it was it was pretty far i live pretty far from my work so mm-hmm. they they said I didn't have to come in because by the time I got there, it's only going to be like an hour and a half left in the day. And and they still pay me for the whole day, so that's cool. So nice. I'm like, cool. I got, I got like a whole afternoon to, you know, chill and do whatever. So I go home and, you know, I, I eat some lunch and everything. And then a little bit later, my, my wife is about to leave to go pick up my daughter from school. And she she goes to leave. She comes back in. My car won't start. Oh, no. I'm like, did you leave a light on or something? She's like, no. So I'm like, she probably left the light on. So I go out there, and it's got power. It's just clicking. I'm like, "Eh, that's probably the starter. Oh, no. Actually, so I went and picked up my daughter, brought her back home, took uh, took her car. I was able to get it started and took it down to O'Reilly's. And I was going to, like, since I was able to get it started by jumping it off, I was like, maybe it is, like, the battery or something. So they checked the battery. Battery's good. And so they're going to check the alternator. It won't start. And they're like, yeah, that's probably your starter. I'm like, that's the same thing I thought. But then it started when I cranked it. They said sometimes getting that that juice will make it work. But So end up having to get my father-in-law to help me tow it home. Had to spend two hundred dollars on a starter, which is ridiculous. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and it was—it's all the way behind the motor, so it was kind of a pain to change. So, you know, I—I—I uh, I, I fi- I got it changed, and I had to take the old one back because they charge you like twenty bucks for a core. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I—I I take the old one back get back home, go to eat dinner, and realize I had been using my phone as a flashlight while working on her car, and I left it on top of a cross member underneath the car just sitting there. Oh, no. So I start panicking. Like It probably fell out on the road. Probably hit a bump. It fell. Go out there. You, st- you see a light shining on the driveway. It's still sitting up in there after going down the road. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Yes, I still have my phone. And, <laughs> and it was a little wet from, you know, since it's pouring down rain. But mm-hmm. thank goodness iPhones are waterproof. Right, yeah. We got pretty <laughs> solid case on there, too. <laughs> 
that oh my gosh yeah like what what luck like yeah any any other time for anybody else yeah it would have fallen out and got ran over <laughs> yeah, i just wanted to share that story because that that's so awesome i just started laughing right <laughs> i would have too i would just would have been like all right yeah we have one of those days <laughs> yeah so uh, fishing yes back to fishing <laughs> So, I can't, you know, I wanted to talk a little more on the whole change out your hooks thing, because mm-hmm. that, that's not something, you know, people talk about a whole lot, at least that not that I've heard. Sure. Um, I can't remember if you said it. Did you say how often you change yours out? Uh, no. Um, so, usually, um, I mean, I'm still kind of new into the whole hook, changing out the hook thing, but... Um, there's a couple certain brands of lures when I get, um, I'll want to replace out the hooks right away. Um, you know, and then there's other brands where they come stock with some pretty good hooks. So it just kind of depends on, you know, what lures and stuff you have. Sometimes it's just, you know, all about doing a little bit of research to see what's come stock on those and whatnot. Um, but, uh, you know, usually just as needed, uh, pretty much, you know, if the, if it's a good stock hook, then I'll just keep it on there. Um, I'll visually inspect everything in the winter time. Um, and then the only other time that I'll really need to change stuff out is uh, if I know that uh, there's one lure in particular that I use a lot, such as like a whopper bopper or uh, jerk baits. Um, if there's one in particular, I'll make sure to change those hooks out maybe a couple times. I think my whopper plopper, I changed the hooks out in it probably four times last year <laughs> one of them like i just i had Wait, broke it one year yeah wow yeah yeah so but it's because i use it so much and i catch a variety of fish on there <laughs> uh one being musky <laughs> so um you know they'll, they'll tear hooks up right away you know and i had slashed my fingers cut uh when i caught one last year and they just yeah they shred the hooks too so Usually after I've had, uh, you know, encounter with them, like both hooks come off and I put new ones on there. But, um, you know, I'll just kind of, you know, visually inspect it. If I see that one's getting kind of bent out a little bit, then, you know, I'll go and change it. But the whopper plopper, like I'll, as soon as top water is on, like that's like my go-to just about when, uh, when I'm out fishing, especially out here at Banner. So I mean, you, when you got overcast and just that little bit of breeze, it's dynamite. <laughs> I'm not the only one. <laughs> right. <laughs> I catch so much hail about the Whopper Plopper, but it, it truly is an amazing lure. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Um, so whenever you're changing out the hooks, like, you know, obviously certain different lures have different size hooks on them do you try to match the same size that's on there or do you have like your own preferences where you like to change them to um usually i'll try to stay true to the size um sometimes when i change sizes um it'll be either up or down so when i do change sizes when i go up I'm making it bigger hook. Um, I'll do that on um, crankbaits. Uh, I'll do it on rattle traps, um, those types of things. And when I go down, um, surprisingly, um, I'll actually do it on jerk baits. 
Um, something about having smaller hooks on there, I just I think just the hookup ratio increases. I think I also got that from Tactical Bass, and if I'm not <laughs> mistaken, um, you know, I watch a lot of their videos too and have kind of learned a lot. But also too, just you know, it's after you've you know been out on the water and you can kind of compare. So like you know, the first part of last year. I used stock hooks and then when I learned after like the first month and a half after using them, it's like, okay, I need to upgrade. But then, you know, when I'm going to upgrade, I'm going to get the same size or I'm going to get smaller. I'm going to get bigger. And some of them, I stayed the same size and some of them I went smaller. And I had noticed with some of the ones that I went smaller on, my hookup ratio increased. Whereas sometimes when I stayed the same size, um, and it, it, it could have been a variety of different things too. Um, but with the, the bigger the hooks, uh, sometimes I was only getting the bass, uh, which is one barb, whereas the smaller hooks, the whole thing would be in their mouth. So, and again, you know, it, it could have just been the way the bite was, or maybe just the way that they got hooked or whatever type of thing. But I noticed when I had uh, the, I'd usually go a size down uh, on the hooks with the jerk baits. I'd get more uh, a better hookup ratio. <clears throat> now I've never noticed. Do the packages with lures usually have the hook size on them? Because I couldn't tell you what size hooks are on them to go you up know, and down. That, or is, the same. that is actually a good point that you bring up. No, they don't. And even sometimes, like just googling what size hook is on a KVD jerk bait or. Um, lipless crank you know it, it's actually kind of hard to find um believe it or not so you know it, i've had to do a lot of all right i'm taking my hook into bass pro and holding it up to the package to see <laughs> what size <laughs> it is you know when i first started because i was just like i don't have a clue what size i need what comes standard what size should i get you know it, it's taken a lot of you know kind of mix and matching and figuring out for myself to know exactly what i need um, but no, yeah, there isn't usually, um, hook sizes labeled on some of the packaging. Some brands might, not all of them do. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're, you have to look it up for yourself. <laughs> um, is there a specific brand that you like to go to when you're changing them out? Uh, when it comes to trebles and, um, like, um, uh, my like my worm hooks, uh, my EWGs, and uh, uh, offset shank hooks. Um, I like to do um, gamakatsu hooks. Um, they're usually pretty reasonable. Um, they might be a little bit more on the party C side for some people, but I've I've never had issues with them. Um, you know, whereas some other brands you put them on there and you're breaking hooks after like the third or fourth fish. Whereas you know the gamakatsu you know i could catch fish all day on the same hook you know and still be pretty solid so i mean if i had to recommend a brand it'd be that one um i haven't really tried a whole lot of other brands um eagle claw i would kind of say to stay away from <laughs> i'm gonna all... have to disagree with that <laughs> no I've, I've i've had people tell me from start of me you know really getting into bass fishing that you know you use gamakatsu and stuff and i did for a while and they're good hooks mm -hmm. um i found a pack of the eagle claw laser sharp like it's it had a bunch of different things in it like 
the round bin offset hooks, the wide mm-hmm. gap offset hooks, the wacky hooks, and mm-hmm. and swim bait hooks. It's like this big old package of different hooks and sizes and all that for like ten bucks at Walmart. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just try it out. And yeah, I don't text this rig a lot or or really any of that a lot. You know, a lot of time it's it's like a jig or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, but I have used those. I've caught fish off of them. Yep. For a tournament angler or something like that, yeah, maybe maybe not. Mm-hmm. But I for, should clarify. I mean, I when I say eagle claw, I mean like the treble hooks with eagle claw. Okay. I wouldn't trust those on crankbaits. Now, when it comes to like you know your Texas rig hooks, um, offset hooks or whatever, those would probably be pretty good. I think I started out with those maybe when I first got into everything. So yeah. It, I mean. Like I said, I ain't had really any issues. <clears throat> For anybody new to bass fishing that is just starting out, you know, it can be really expensive getting into mm-hmm. sport. So I definitely recommend that little $10 pack because that's going to last you a while. Oh, totally. Yep, totally. Yeah, you know, and it, it's also about, you know, budgeting too. You know, I mean, not everybody can go out and, you know, drop $30 on an eight pack of expensive hooks, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, you got to kind of find what works for you. Um, and just, you know, even if it is going with, you know, bottom of the barrel, but you know, find a way to make it work, but also, you know, take care of your gear too, you know, don't <laughs> make the mistake of leaving it, uh, in your uh, box that's wet after, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, because <laughs> you're going to come to it, you know, within the next day, it, it, they could already be rusted out. So make sure you take your rear gear. <laughs> Especially if you get the expensive hooks. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Cheap hooks don't sting quite as bad. but Right, expensive. yep. Um, so what about the split ring? Do you have, like, specific split rings you use? Um. So let's see here. The kind that I have, I think... I don't even know if they really have a um their owner um i think they were just something that i had seen online at tackle warehouse you know that's kind of where i get a lot of my stuff too because it's just you know it's convenience <laughs> and everything um but uh i use a size three which i think is rated for uh, how many pounds is it like 30 50 I, I can't remember what the pound rating is on the split ring hooks, but um, I just use a size number three with the owner split ring. They're fairly inexpensive. I think like a 15 pack is like three or four bucks or something like that. So it's not too bad, but uh, yeah, I like to, I like to use those um, when I'm replacing stuff out. And when it comes to split rings, I don't usually replace those out as much as like what I do for hooks. I'll just use um, the standard um, split rings that come in there, but again, I'll replace them out just because I've let things rust. <laughs> so, well, I was about to ask you, like, how far do you let them rust till you change? <laughs> like, the moment you see a little rust on there, do you change them, or like when they like, okay, this is like pretty much all brown? It just kind of depends. Like, um, if I'm visually inspecting it, you know, and I see just like a little spot, I'll let it go. I mean, that usually isn't a big deal, but like. 
if I can see like, especially in between the ring itself, if there's like a whole ring of it that's rusted, then I'll, I'll change it out because I know that that's at the point of no return. <laughs> but, uh, and kind of same thing with hooks too. Like sometimes I'll see rust like in weirdest places. It, it, it boggles my mind. <laughs> like there'll be rust on like, you know, the outside of like the, the bend or like right in the eyelet. It's like, how, how does it determine where it rusts? <laughs> but, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of just look and, you know, see, okay, I don't think anything's really compromised with it being right there. So I'll keep using it. But sometimes if there's rust right on the barb, then yeah, of course I'll throw it out after that. Cause it's kind of pointless having it, <laughs> having a hook with a rusted out barb. Um, but yeah, majority of the time. Yeah. And you can also spot clean, um, some rust too. So what you do is um, you take um, vinegar, just like regular vinegar. And if you've got a hook that's got some spots in it, I just take like a little cup or something in it and I'll just drop a couple of hooks in there, um, let them soak in there for a little while, maybe about an hour or two. And I just take a toothbrush and I scrub them real good and most of the time it'll come right out. Hmm. I might have to try that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Especially when I leave them in that little compartment on my in my toolbox. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I know there's other cleaner stuff or something like that that you can get for hooks. I haven't really messed around with that a whole lot. But, uh, yeah, if you're looking just to kind of touch something up without having to replace everything out, just, yeah, touch it up with some, uh, with some vinegar and a good old toothbrush. <laughs> Well, we, we just killed like over 20 minutes talking about, <laughs> you know, replace like hook rust, you know, but mm-hmm. no, I, I really do think that's good information. Cause that's something, you know, a lot of people don't talk about, especially on a podcast, you know, you don't talk about changing hooks that much, or if you, if it does get mentioned, you know, it don't go into detail. So I mm-hmm. think that's some good information for people that don't know about it. Yep, exactly. You know, and I learned the hard way last year too to always 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 keep a pair of split ring pliers with you on your <laughs> kayak you know <laughs> yeah you had to change that hook out didn't you yeah well like <laughs> literally somebody had to come out and cut it off because no not a single person i ran into at that lake had a pair of split ring pliers everybody else had regular pliers but they didn't have the split ring tool you should have so, just used the regular pliers to just yank the hook I, out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did, did you try the braid method? We actually did. Once we got back to, uh, once we uh, ported my kayak back to uh, the truck and uh, a buddy of mine was there and he just, yeah, he tied the braid onto it and, you know, it kind of wiggled around a little bit and then just bloop, popped it right oh. out. I guess it does make sense. You got to take the lure or take the hook off the lure before you do that. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. It's not very smart to be pulling a lure off when it's still got other hooks on it too. (laughs) So, but uh, yeah, I definitely keep a a pair of split ring pliers uh, in my kayak now too, along with a few other tools. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't carry them. So. That, I, I remember when I heard that story originally that I was like, I should probably do that. But but then I, I think I was also thinking like, I can get them with regular pliers. Yeah, I, I, I can get it. Yeah, you know, when you're in pain, it might be a little different. Yeah, that's <laughs> what you think. And, and when you have a when you have a hook in your right hand and you're right handed, 
oh, it, it's awful because it's like awkward and everything and trying to use pliers. I mean, you got to think about it. Those those split rings and hooks can be super tiny. You know, I mean, yeah. especially on a jerk bait, you know, that's going to be super tiny. And, you know, you got these big fat pliers. I mean, depending on what you have, you know, trying to get in there and everything, you're just going to get frustrated and be like, ah, I wish I had split ring pliers with me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I can't argue with the size of the split ring. I will say I, I am somewhat ambidextrous, so I, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I don't know if you were aware of this. I know some of the guys are, but you know, I'm right-handed, but I cast with my with my left hand and and still reel in, you know, right-handed. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's and interesting. I, I what's weird is a lot of people. Like I cast spinning or casting with my left hand, mm-hmm. and just cast and reel. Yeah. So yeah, I'm right-handed. I cast right-handed, but I reel with my left. Okay. So, so you're you're like the exact opposite of me. Just about. Yep. <laughs> See, a lot a lot of right-handed people cast with their right hand and put it in their left hand. Yeah. Yeah. No, not me. Yeah, I'll I'll cast and everything with the right hand, but. When it comes to reeling, I, I do it with the left. It just, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. As somebody that uses the same hand to cast as they do to hold the pole while they reel in, mm-hmm. let, let me ask you this question. With a bait caster, I find myself, you know, I've, I've heard it said, I believe it was Sam Jones that said before, like, man, I wish I would have learned to do that, that to kind of save time and not have to move hands. Mm-hmm. But something I've, I've noticed myself doing it. I move my hand down, like behind the reel, when I cast, and then I have have to move it back up uh, afterwards because I, I like to like hold the reel and have my line going over my finger there. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I'm reeling, so do you do that or do you keep your hand up there when you're casting? So actually, um, when I first started using a bait caster, I used to hold my hand like down, like I wouldn't even like thumb the spool. Like I would just hold it awkwardly, but that's because I was so used to throwing a spinning reel because that's what I grew up on and that's kind of all I'd ever used. And, you know, it wasn't until somebody had said, hey, you know, position your hand like this when you're casting you're not only going to have better control of your cast, but better control of the spool. And it was just, you know, the, the placement of my thumb and two fingers. And I was just like, whoa, this is crazy. This is like life changing. So usually when I cast is, you know, I'll have my thumb over the spool and then my two fingers will be kind of like up and around the back and just zoom. And I don't really have to adjust much of anything so like try <laughs> try uh, i'm hitting the ceiling right now <laughs> right yep so uh, like tell me what to do here all right so oh do you have one handy yeah i sure do okay. you sit here making me like <laughs> myself here and you got one right there all right yep uh, 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 oh, you're about to lose them all. <laughs> all right, so let's see if I can do this. So I'll usually have my thumb here, and then that's kind of the way my hands are on the back. And like, I don't ever really ever have to 
adjust. So you never change from that? Mm-mm. Me, after I, like, I'll cast similar to you. Mm-hmm. Like that. But after I cast, I'll move my hand up here to where I'm, like, grasping the whole thing. And I got the line running over here so I can feel anything that touches that line. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I can I can kind of see that, you know, cuz you're 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 wanting to kind of still get a feel on the line and and whatnot. Um that's I I do that a lot with like my spinning reels, like uh, you know, I'll flip it and I'll have the line underneath my finger. <clears throat> but uh, when it comes like the bait caster, I don't even worry about like you know, feeling the line or anything like that, just because it's, you know, it's, it, it's awkward for me to kind of hold it like that and whatever. And, you know, most it, of the time I'm either going to be watching my line or I'll be able to feel it, um, on my rod too. So like, you know, it, it's visual and feel. So that way I don't necessarily have to hold, you know, my finger up there to feel everything in a sense, you know, and if you're having trouble with, um, you know, not feeling things, you know, it, it could be a matter of, you know, what line do you have set up on it? Do you got too heavy of a line with too light of a lure? Um, is your rod set up for the action that you're using, which, you know, this past winter, I've like really worked on, you know, getting my setups just, you know, just right. So like, you know, I have a setup for Texas rig. I got set up for ploppers. I got a set up for frogs. I got a set up for spinner baits, you know, so that way I know, oh, it's got this weight of line on here. And so I'm going to be like, all right, I know that I can throw a half ounce spinner bait or chatter bait on this and not have to worry about much of anything because I'm going to be able to feel it. I've got everything set up the way it goes. It's got the right action. It's got the right real strength to it. And boom, ready to go. <laughs> it, and it took me, I still struggle with it. It took me forever to kind of get that figured out. And I can kind of see, you know, where you're coming from, especially as a new angler too, because you're just like, I'm not feeling anything when I'm throwing this out. Like, am I supposed to feel something? Like, am I supposed to hold on to the line? You know, and I kind of struggled with that too. Cause you know, I would get, I would ask anglers and be like, Hey, what line are you using on that? You know, they'd be like 15, 16 pound. I'd be like, dang, <laughs> you know, and it works for people, you know, it, it's different for everybody. That's the part of it too, is, you know, figuring out what works best for you, but also, you know, paying attention to, you know, your setups and what their limits and capacity are too. Cause sometimes, you know, you might have a rod where it's only set up to hold maybe like, you know, 10, 20 pound line, but you know, you're using beyond what it should be using. So, um, yeah, that, that would be my, my advice for that. You see, that's something I've <clears throat> sort of been trying to, uh, work with myself is, but I'm trying to make things more universal. Mm -hmm. Like I, I have a limited amount of rods and reels for me to choose from. Sure. Um, so, and, and I only usually carry about four setups with me on the water. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm trying to get them just right to where I can use things for more than one thing. Oh yeah, for like, sure. For instance, I, I've got one rod that it's a medium heavy and I think I've got like 15 pound fluoro on it now. So to use, you know, 
chatterbait, spinnerbait, uh, just, you know, different stuff like that. And then I got another one that's like just a medium with like 12 pound test on it for uh, crankbaits and jerkbaits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I got my jig rod. You know, I can always, I guess, use that for like Texas rig or I guess I can use it for shaky head. In, oh, yeah, for sure. But probably not going to take the jig off. But. <laughs> <laughs> right. but but one thing I have been thinking about is, you know, my topwater rod. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of throwing spooks on mm-hmm. anything except for mono. I like that stretch. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that stretch for mono when I'm doing the walk the dog motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with, to me, you can't really throw a, a popper on a bait caster it's hard for me at least you know because it's Mm -hmm. so light so that that's kind of eliminated from from that setup you know mainly going to be using the whopper plopper let's be honest Mm -hmm. uh i like using braid for it Mm -hmm. i want to throw the frog more this year hollow body frog well that requires like a thick braid so i'm i'm thinking about like a 50 pound braid and I, f- I figured that'd be pretty good for a frog i didn't i'm feeling like it ain't gonna matter a whole lot with the whopper plopper and probably not gonna throw a spook mm-hmm. just yeah. to be honest <laughs> right yeah well a little secret when it comes to throwing the little itty bitty uh poppers whatnot i use a spinning reel <laughs> yeah that's, that's, i do that's what I'm i do but I, I don't want to bring a reel out just for that. Just now, right. Yep. Now I, I could, I could use, you know, I do carry a one spinning reel with me mm-hmm. on a, on a medium light with like, it's either six or eight pound tests, but I usually use fluoro, which sinks, which probably ain't that great for a popper. I don't know. I, I, I take that back. I have heard of people using fluoro with it because it kind of makes it dig down a little more. So I might be able to use it with that. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you totally could. You know, and having a versatile rod and reel, you know, is really good. And that's the great thing about fishing is is there's a million different kinds of, you know, rod and reel combos that you can use for just about anything. You know, you get yourself a medium rod with, you know, a fast action to it. You can throw anything on that. You can throw top water. You can throw jigs on it. You could throw shaky heads on it. You know, you could throw cranks on it. It, it, it sky's the limit when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> but you know, tournament anglers, you know, they they like to, you know, kind of narrow things down to them where you know they're they're in their kayak and they're like, all right, you know, I'm gonna hone in on you know these five different techniques and each rod they have is set up just for those different things, you know. They may be set up for those five different techniques, but, you know, in an instant, you could change it out and fish something different, you know, with uh, with me, with topwater, uh, especially out here at Banner, uh, I throw a minimum of 65 pound braid just because I've got thick, heavy mats. I've got uh, stumps and logs and stuff like that, and, you know, you don't want to lose a 
big bass off of, you know, braid that was only set for a 20 pound. Um, so yeah, I mean, me personally, I just, I use 65 pound minimum. Now when it comes to, you know, spooks and ploppers, you know, I can, I can get away with going a little bit lighter. I think you use 40 pound for that. So, you know, you don't have to go too crazy on that. Um, and using, um, um, uh, fluoro or mono for, uh, spooks. You know, you can get away with that too. You know, having the different line, having it sink or float, it just kind of depends, you know, what action you're wanting it to do too, you know, so. Well, see, I made the mistake when I first started using a whopper plopper of using fluoro because that's what I already had on that, mm-hmm. that line. And then people started, you know, giving me hell about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, at the time, I didn't know fluoro sinks. I just heard everybody talk about they're using fluoro, so I bought some fluoro. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I didn't know a lot of that stuff either. You know, when I first got into everything, you know, people would be like, oh yeah, you got to use this because it floats or you got to use this because it sinks. I'm like, okay. (laughs) You know, nobody even told me that it floats or sinks. They just said, use this. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, well, there's more science behind it than what I thought. Holy crap. (laughs) You know, I think mostly with fluoro, people told me like, it's don't have the same amount of stretch. You know, don't stretch as much. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting. You said you throw your whopper ploppers on 40 pound braid. Mm -hmm. See, you know, this year was my first year throwing a whopper plopper. And I think I threw it all year on like 17 or 20 pound braid. Yeah. It just depends. You know, again, it's, it's a matter of preference. You know, if I was somewhere else and it was just kind of thick weeds or whatever, then, you know, I'd probably be comfortable with 15, 20 pound braid. But where I fish, I know that those weeds are like thick and there's trees and stuff that are submerged like right underneath it so i'm like i know that i need to have that extra ump to it i mean especially for frogs and especially for punching like i just i won't do anything lighter than 65 because just like i know i I know (laughs) you know i'm like if i try anything lighter it's it's gonna snap and break You, you do a lot of punching you know i don't um i haven't given it a lot of uh, adequate time or fair time, I guess I should say. Um, I've, I've caught some fish off of it, nothing too big or anything, but you know, I would rather throw a frog all day or throw a buzz bait or throw, um, a plopper all day than punching, you know? I mean, there are, you know, there are days where, you know, when the sun is dead high in the sky, there's not a cloud in sight. And I'm just like, God, I want to throw top water, but I know they ain't going to hit it. <laughs> Where it's just like, yeah, I should probably punch or something else, but I'll resort to something else. I was like, I'll, I'll choose something else that I know better <laughs> for punching. But I mean, you know, it's just a preference thing. <laughs> yeah. That Punching is something that I'd like to try. See, I don't know where a lot of grass is around here. I need mm-hmm. to I need to find some. But, you know, last week I did that episode with Cody Jennings over mm-hmm. there at Jigmasters, and we talked about that punch rig he's got. And, man, it, it looks like a jig. You work it like a jig. You just throw it right up in some thick grass. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I really want to try it out. i got to find some grass. Oh yeah, you you come out here to Central Illinois, I'll put you on grass and weeds all day. 
Well, you know, I'm only like two, two and a half hours from Gunnersville, and oh. you know, it, it's pretty well known for grass and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I'm really thinking about. I've, I've joked about the idea. I think I joked about it with Dan because he's pretty close. Like us, us going up there for the NC and just crashing it and catching all the fish and yeah. you know, pissing everybody off. Like, right. It could have been about winning fish, but, <laughs> but, uh, I, I don't know. I would like to come down. You're going to be there, right? Oh yeah. I oh, would yeah. like to come down there and like hang out with, with y'all that are going to be down there. And, uh, no, I still haven't met you or, you know, several of the other ones that on the podcast yeah. in person. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, I, I've met maybe not quite half of the crew. I've met Sam, I've met Brian, I've met Jay. Uh, Josh. I remember him talking about it. At Turkey Bowl. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe not quite half. Or just right at half, yeah. Yeah, only only ones I've met it were at uh, Del Hollow. It was Josh, Brad, and Jay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. this year we'll we'll all you know get together and be able to. It's going to be interesting trying to get everybody there at the same time. Right. I don't I know. know how well that'll work out, but you know, hopefully we'll get to meet some more of y'all this year right i know yeah it'll totally be it'll totally be a good time if we uh if we can make it happen but yeah you'll have to you'll have to come down to the nc and uh crash the party <laughs> i've thought about it like i've heard vendors and stuff are going to be at the nc and mm-hmm. like you, you can usually get stuff you know pretty cheap yeah so. yeah so yeah they'll have a few vendors there um trying to remember what they had last year um angler was there they had um uh, Dakota Lithium was there. Uh, Fish USA was there. Uh, Catch was there. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else was there. I don't, almost been a year ago now. <laughs> but yeah, there's some vendors there that'll have some, some kind of like, you know, basic necessity stuff. But, you know, I always like to check out the, uh, the local tackle shops too, <clears throat> you know, just to see. You know, I, I like to get, you know, not only information from them, but just kind of get uh, an idea of, you know, kind of like how the community is, too. You know, you can usually find out a lot from uh, your local tackle shops, too. That's that's a good technique, like going to a, a new area, new lake. You know, that's not a bad idea. If you go to, like, mm-hmm. the local tackle shops, you're going to see what they carry. More than likely, they're going to carry what the people mm-hmm. that fish those local waters are using yep exactly you know i mean yeah you might have your your local you know bass pearl cabela's but like if there's one thing that i find a bit more frustrating than my local bass pro is that they carry a lot of you know merchandise but sometimes they don't have the colors that i want you know especially for banner you know i'm just like come on guys you're missing out on a huge market so I'll either end up, you know, going to Presley's, which is a little uh, tackle shop in Bartonville, because, you know, they, <coughs> they they know what the people want. They they carry stuff that people want and people ask for. So, like, I could just walk in there, you know, and grab the, the missile bait colors that I need or whatever, you know. Um, so it's it's always interesting, you know, to, to kind of see that sometimes. I mean, I know it's more of a... a 
corporation thing or whatever for, you know, Bass Pro, Cabela's, et cetera. But, um, yeah, usually the, the local tackle shops, you know, you can just, just by looking around, you can see, okay, you know, this is kind of, you know, what the lake is like. And then, you know, just talking with people too is a great way to kind of uh, learn some more information too. And, you know, since you mentioned that, I'm going to do a quick shout out to a, uh, a shop pretty local to me, Hook One in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You know, they're pretty good about that. I was in there one time, you know, they keep a, you know, a small but decent selection of, of baits and lures and stuff. Well, I was looking at the Whopper Ploppers and, you know, I wanted one in Bluegill. I think I wanted a Bluegill 90 because I've had pretty good luck on that one. And, uh, and they were like, yeah, we ain't, I was talking to the guy at the front desk. He's like, yeah, we ain't got it. And the manager just so happened to be right there. And he was on his phone. He's like, what color are you wanting? He's like, all right, it'll be here in a couple of days. I'm actually making an order right now. Nice. So like, and, and they keep them stocked now. Like oh, last awesome. time I went in there, they, they kept them stocked. So last time I went in there was after I talked to Jody queen and, uh, and I, talked to him about chatterbaits so i went in there because they had them and uh they didn't have the color that that i was looking for and, and they asked me what color i was looking for i even showed them a picture of it and uh so i haven't been back in there to see if they picked that up but you know nice. they're, they're they're pretty cool in there and, and they let me put some paddle and fin stickers there and and give them away to people as nice that came in there so awesome yeah so hook one, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Make sure you go see them if you live in the local area or passing through. Very nice, very nice. Uh, how far away are you from uh, Chickamauga? Uh, <laughs> I can tell you real quick. <laughs> if I can, if I can spell it right. There <laughs> we. Go. I guess depending which uh, which Georgia. part you're. It's in Georgia, right? It's Tennessee. Chickamauga? Yeah. There's a Chickamauga. Chick. Well, there's a Chickamauga of Georgia, too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Chick. Is it it spelled the same? Uh, Chick A-M-A-U-G-A. Yeah. Killing time, folks. Killing time. <laughs> There's a chicken mock with dam there. Where's that at? Okay, this is Tennessee. It says 121 miles, two hours. Okay, well, that's not too bad. Yeah. Not... I've got. Uh... What's there? Is there a tournament there this year? Uh, bass is going to be on there. I'm eyeing it. I've got it on my calendar for now, so we'll see. <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, I feel kind of stupid for not knowing that. Because that's, that's where Odd Defoe's from, ain't it? Who? Odd Defoe, like the professional boat fisherman. You know, I couldn't tell you. I think that's his, I think that's his local waters and uh i think he won a tournament on it 2015. you know that's an interesting topic is uh you know the following the bass boat uh tournaments and everything i you know you would think 
that, you know, being anglers, you know, we would follow, you know, the pros and stuff like that. And I, you know, not only never really watched it or grew up with that, but I, I still don't really follow it that much. I mean, I, I think I might've watched a little bit of uh, the recent one last week or something, but then somebody had posted a video today of some guy whose um, bass got like hung up on like a tree or something I like that. He, he, and he jumped in the water to go retrieve it. It's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of people upset about that too. Right. Like saying that, you know, that's promoting like an unsafe, which it's right. a little, it is a little safer for him. There was another boat there, you know, there's right. Yeah. They've like got a crew people. and everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. But yeah, when he jumped in, like he was just like, Oh, Oh, you weren't kidding. And he was like shivering. I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 cool. I thought he was about to need medical attention when he first jumped in. Cause he looked like he was about to go into shock or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely not promoting the safest of behaviors, you know, which is another interesting topic, you know, it's like what length will anglers go to, you know, to try to catch that fish, you know, and <laughs> I guess they'll go to pretty far lengths, you know, but yeah, also, I mean, especially when you're fishing for that big of money. Right. Yeah. That, that's the whole part of it too, you know, is like, they've got such bigger payouts than what we do. <laughs> but something that I do want to say, cause I am really big on safety when we're out there on the water. Mm-hmm. Something I do want to emphasize to people that may see that or may go look at it now since they heard us talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we said, he had other boats around him to, you know, if something were to happen, they get him out. I don't think he ever, well, actually he did. Another thing about it. I was going to say I don't think he ever let go of his boat, but when he got the fish up, he did let go. Um. That's probably not the safest thing. There is current in mm-hmm. that runs through lakes. It can sweep you down. People die every year, you know, just jumping off boats without a life jacket on and just swimming and, you know, get sucked down and like go down and never come back up. Yep. So it's really not a safe thing to do. Yep. They allow him to do it and he wants to do it, you know. I'm the type of person, you're, you're a grown man, you're going to do what you want to do, but I'm going to try to tell people, you know, it from what my knowledge, a safe way to do things, you know, what they do, choose to do with the information is going to be on them, but I, I got to at least try. Right, yeah, you know, the question everybody should be asking themselves is your life worth it? Yeah. You know, is your life worth that fish? or that lure or whatever it is you're trying to do, you know, in in that situation. Yeah. I mean, he, he had, you know, the other boats around him, but you know, I was looking at, I was like the water clarity, you know, once he was underwater, you wouldn't be able to see him. So like, if he would have gotten tangled up, if he would have gotten tangled up somewhere, how, yeah. I mean, the bot, the boat was probably spot locked, but still, I mean, if he would have gotten trapped or entangled, what next? You know, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I get it to a certain extent, you know, but I mean like the, the conditions and everything, you know, was it, was it the 120 rule? Was the water temperature and the air temperature equal to 120? You know, if not, like, I'm, I'm curious what, what it was, you know, cause I mean, yeah, as soon as he jumped in, he was just like, woo. So I was like, yeah, that is shock right there. (laughs) Now, one thing I will say is 
I, I could be completely wrong about this, but I believe I heard it was like 80 degrees and the water, the water was still cold, but it was a warm day. Mm-hmm. Let's say they said water was like 50s or 40s and it was like around 80 air temp. So I believe it was above the 120 rule. Mm-hmm. It, and that's another thing that probably helped him is once he got out of the water, it was warm. So it probably helped him warm up oh. pretty quick. Right. But even then, you know, you, you think about it. Think about 50 degree water, 60 degree water, 70 degree water. That's still cold. You know, our human bodies, we run at, you know, 98 degrees when, you know, you're at a 30 degree deficit. You're yeah, you're going to be in a kind of a bad situation. But yeah, again, you know, air temperature, like wind, you know, how much sun was there, you know, there's so many different factors when it comes to things like that, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, it might have not have been the smartest decision for what he did. Um, I mean, you know, he got the bass. <laughs> you know, it, I, and I was actually glad that he didn't actually have to, like, dive down and get anything. Like, I was, like, really nervous. I was like, oh, God, like, this dude is going to, like, disappear under this water or something like that. But he was, I think he was, like, missing with the line with his feet or something like that. And then it finally came up. I was like, okay, thank God. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm, I'm just thankful, you know, everything worked out and he's okay. Yeah. And. Yep. Yeah. Yep, definitely. I mean, yeah, I can definitely preach the whole safety aspect of everything, too. You know, I mean, it, it never ceases to amaze me what sort of scenario can come up and happen when it comes to, you know, even just kayak fishing. You know, I mean, you could have weather, you could have um, embedded hook, you could have somebody get uh, run over by a boat. You know, I mean, anything goes. <laughs> And that that's one thing that I think a lot of people take for granted is like, I, I made a post about it on Instagram just, mm-hmm. you know, not too long ago when I, when I first started kayaking, I didn't wear a PFD. You know, I, the, I use the typical same old, you know, excuse everybody else uses. Well, I can swim. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. I, I can swim. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had, you know, between, you know, podcasts that I've listened to and talking to different, you know, more advanced kayak anglers, I've learned the possible dangers that that can happen. So I, I wear it every time now, whether I'm with friends, whether I'm by myself, I got it on every single time because you never know, like story getting hit by a boat you can't predict that and what you when that happens what are you gonna do sit there and like the boat ain't gonna stop for you to grab your pfd and put it on real quick and he had to bail out and then he's struggling you know trying to get his gear back and and everything well you try to do that without a pfd on then you know you're gonna see Mm-hmm. And yeah. and what if he would have got hit by the boat and got knocked unconscious? Unconscious. You can't can't swim when you're unconscious. Right. Yeah. And I've also I also remember there was a, hearing a story of a guy got a hook stuck in him, went to pull it out. The pain was so much that he passed out, woke up floating in the water, and had no idea how long he had been out. Jeez. 
like was able to get himself to shore and passed out again once he climbed up on the bank like something like that i mean if, if you try to pull a hook out and it and you pass out you can't in when you're passed out you can't control whether you swim or not right that pfd is what saved his life yep yep yeah i know yeah i i totally agree you know sometimes there i i, I think sometimes people get so comfortable when you know nothing happens you know but and, it, and it's not like you know we're preaching that oh you have to be on edge all the time or yeah you have to be you know super conscious you know that's not it at all but you know always take safety into consideration you know uh spring is coming up so you know the water temperatures you know like we were talking you know people gotta be safe when they're out there you know i mean you may have been to your lake you know a thousand times but you know what what's to say you know this next time something isn't going to happen you know you could have a goose attack you it happens people have drowned and gotten hypothermia because they got attacked by a swan or a goose it can happen you know and i mean if anything you know just just always be aware and i cannot emphasize enough too that and i don't think a lot of people do this but have an emergency backup plan you know um, I use an app on my phone called Life360. It tracks me wherever I go. So that way, you know, when I'm traveling for tournaments, Adam can see where I'm at any time of day. Now, if I go out of cell service, there isn't really much I can do about that. But, you know, I've taken him <clears throat> down to Banner and showed him, you know, where I put in. So that way, you know, if something happens, like if I lose my phone or if I flip over and he hasn't heard from me, he knows where to go and start looking for me and then, you know, take the next action uh, for whatever is necessary. So, you know, have some sort of backup plan because, you know, if you're going alone all the time, again, like me, you know, what are you going to do if something happens to you? You know, what is your plan? And if you don't have one, I highly suggest you get one, you know, and it doesn't even have to be with a, a spouse. You know, you could have it be with a friend. You know, just send somebody a message, say, hey, I'm going out fishing to this spot, um, whatever, you know, have a pre-established uh, plan. If you don't hear back from me by this time, message me or call me, make sure that I didn't forget. You know, sometimes we get caught up in the moment or, you know, we're like, oh, yeah, I forgot to text them or whatever. But if that one time you don't hear back from them and you try to get a hold of them, they're not contactable, then you know, I'd be happy to know that somebody's going to be out there looking for me, you know, whereas if I didn't think about it, I could have flipped over and, you know, I could be, you know, floating in the middle of Banner Marsh and nobody's going to know the wiser. So, yeah. It, see, and I, I kind of do stuff like that with my friends when, when they like, hey, I'm going fishing in the morning. Be like, where are you going? You know, I do, I do do it partly because I'm curious, you know, where they're going to be fishing at. But, mm-hmm. but the other part is like, okay, I now know where they're going to be at. You know, so if something happens, you know, I get there, get get help there. You know, something like that. I don't. I'm I'm a worrier, so yeah. I, I always think, what's the worst possible thing that can go wrong? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and at least, you know, in that way, you know, you're you're prepared, you know, to, to worry about things doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. You know, you're, you're no, thinking like you of expect the unexpected. Yeah. 
Yep, exactly. Yeah, you're you're thinking ahead. You know, you're like, all right, you know, what what do I what do I need for this time? What's the temperature supposed to be like? Is it supposed to rain? Is it supposed to storm? You know, that type of thing. You know, another thing that I like to emphasize too is, uh, you know, having a decent first aid kit. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've had to use a first aid kit, not only just for myself, but for other people. You know, like uh, a couple years ago, I was fishing a tournament up in Wisconsin, and uh, I was coming up coming up around this bin, and uh, a local uh, angler, uh, Sean Wood, he had a um, <clears throat> crankbait stuck in a tree, and he whipped it back and caught himself like right in the eye and so like you know I had like a big first aid kit that had like gauze and bedding and stuff like that you know and luckily you know I, I caught him like just in time it's like oh yeah dude I got a first aid kit let me help you out you know I mean it, it's it's never gonna hurt you to have stuff like that you know I mean some things might be an inconvenience but again ask yourself is your life worth it you know right on Mm -hmm. I, I keep a first aid kit on mine too mine's just a little small one you can get at walmart for like mm -hmm. i think it was like 10 or 14 bucks and, mm -hmm. and then get like a couple like a package of uh like the waterproof bandages mm -hmm. yep and you know so i do got a little something there yeah yeah and you know yeah you, again you don't have to go crazy you don't have to buy some 80 90 100 dollar first aid kit you don't have to you know, if you want to go to Walmart or wherever and just get like a box of Band-Aids, some gauze and, you yeah. know, athletic tape, call it a day. You know, I mean, you could be as simple as that. You know, me, you know, I've I've had some um, uh, wilderness first responder experience. So, you know, it's like second nature to me to have, you know, a bit more than the extra stuff. So, like, you know, I've got all the different gauzes. I've got like benadryl and a leave and an aspirin i've got like an ice pack in there i've got a um, emergency blanket i've got like an emergency poncho in there you know i've got like all this other kind of little extra stuff in there too just because that's me and you know i like to have <laughs> stuff like that but you know you don't have to go too crazy you know keep it simple if you want to awesome well we are pushing over an hour man so. already <laughs> i know it like it it always you're, flies. <laughs> you're probably one of the best conversationalists uh, I've had out of the paddle and fan crew on here. You know, gonna have to get you back on here sometime. Heck you know, yeah. so so we can actually you know talk about like some techniques or something. We didn't even oh, totally. really get in, get into that. You know, we talked about right. hooks and setups and safety and right. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Maybe next time, you know, we could try to like break it down into like different categories. You know, so like you know hooks or you know, lures and, you know, I don't know, something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, talks like these are always good because, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's things that we're passionate about and it's, it's so easy to talk about a lot of these things too. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the stuff we talked about tonight is some, is, you know, I, I do talk to a lot of people about certain techniques or lures and how to use them and all that. You, you can hear about that stuff all the time. Stuff that we talked about tonight, you know, you don't hear a lot of. Mm -hmm. You don't you yeah. don't hear a lot of conversation on it. It's kind of put in the background. So Right, yeah, because, I, I mean, yeah, you know, you think about bass fish, fishing for noobs, you know, you're first getting into it. So you're not thinking about things, you know, that you It's like, done. how do I get on there and catch fish, okay? <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, you this is, you know 
um, we haven't had the chance to get out there and do things over and over and over again for more than a couple of years, you know, whereas now it's just like, yes, yeah, you know, techniques and stuff like that. Some of that stuff is second nature. But then I think about it, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, new people wouldn't think about changing out hooks, you know, or, you know, having the split ring pliers or first aid kits. I mean, they might think have first aid kits, but, you know. A, a lot of people probably wouldn't. You know, there's what? probably certain people that would, but a mm-hmm. lot of people probably wouldn't. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I, I think we unintentionally hit on all the right subjects tonight. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on. Anytime. And every, anybody, you know, if you're new to this podcast and don't know who Susie is, you can check her out here on Paddle and Finn every other Wednesday on, um, I, I always mix it up, Adventure... Adventures, Adventures with, with Outdoor, outdoor Woman. woman. Yep. I always want to say Outdoors Woman. <laughs> <laughs> right. Outdoor. Well, you're not the only one. <laughs> yep, just think the Outdoor Woman. Yep. Yeah, every other Wednesday, Adventures with Outdoor Woman. Su- Susie Roloff, check her out. She's awesome. Um, but yeah, so everybody... I don't know. I, I always feel awkward about this. Do you want to shout out, you know, sponsors and stuff? We- um. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> uh. Sure. Um. I guess a shout out would be um my newest one. Um. I haven't really like made a post about this one yet. Um. Just because I'm waiting to get some of my stuff. But I have a, a newer sponsor. Um. It's Bassett Bates. Um. He's a local guy out of i think he's oh my gosh i'm gonna screw this up already (laughs) (laughs) i think he's near rockford if i want to remember right but anyway he's um a local guy he makes all of his stuff um it's it's actually pretty awesome what he does and he's all about creativity so i've given him some uh interesting ideas on some uh different things to make but uh yeah join in with uh with his uh, team this year. So I'm pretty excited about that. And of course, um, you know, everything else. So Hobie fishing team, uh, you guys will probably seen on my post with uh, quest water sports uh, with the shows that I've been helping with them. Uh, Excalibur seasonings, uh, tourney tag, um, she angler customs. I just got uh, an order shipped today. Um, I'm going to be posting that on Instagram. So uh, you can see some of these, uh, custom baits I had painted for me. I'm really excited to use them already. Oh, I want spring to be here right now. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. So, but yeah. And then of course, you know, paddle and fin. (laughs) Rock on. Yeah, buddy. Social medias. Uh, Yep. Uh, So uh, social media, Facebook. um, I've got my main page, Susie Roloff. And then my fishy page, uh, Adventures with Outdoor Woman. And Instagram, OutdoorWoman84. All right. Awesome. So go follow her. Check her out every other Wednesday here on Paddle and Fan. Other than that, guys, you know, when you're feeling the burn, come here to learn. I, I, I don't – how you like – well, there's been a lot of talk about, like, outro statements. Uh, and so I kind of came up with that. It probably needs a couple like tweets. Sweet, well, you like You like I it? Like that. All right. Yeah. I see. I've been trying to think of something for me too, and I haven't come up with anything yet. I probably will, but we we can't use Brian's anymore. (laughs) So yeah, guys, when you're feeling the burn, come here to learn.
Peace out, guys. Later. Go check out the website, guys. Paddle, the letter N in fin.com. Also, check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N in fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and fin. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com. You could put the paddle and fin logo right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jig Masters jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the Recycled Plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water.